Welcome to Not Two Reads, an audio library of revolutionary texts. Scripting the Change Selected Writings of Anuradha Gandhi The Revolutionary Women's Movement in India As we approach 8 March, early in the dawn of this new century, remarkable developments are taking place on the women's front in India. Deep in the forests and plains of central India, in the backward villages of Andhra Pradesh and up in the hills among the tribals of the state, in the forests and plains of Bihar and Jharkhand, women are getting organized actively to break the shackles of feudal patriarchy and to make the new democratic revolution. It is a liberation movement of the peasant woman in rural India, a part of the people's war being waged by the oppressed peasantry under revolutionary leadership. For the past few years, thousands of women are gathering in hundreds of villages to celebrate 8 March. Women are gathering together to march through the streets of a small town like Naranyapur to oppose the Miss World Beauty Contest. They are marching with their children through the Tehsil towns and market villages in backward Bastar to demand proper schooling for their children. They are blocking roads to protest against rape cases and confronting the police to demand that the sale of liquor be banned and hundreds of young women are becoming guerrilla fighters in the army of the oppressed, throwing off the shackles of their traditional life of drudgery. Dressed in fatigues, a red star on their olive-green caps and a rifle on their shoulders, these young women are brimming with the confidence that the fight against patriarchy is integrally linked to the fight against the ruling classes of this semi-feudal, semi-colonial India, and are equipping themselves with the military knowledge to take on the third largest army of the exploiters. This is a social and political awakening among the poorest of the poor, the women in rural India. It is a scenario that has emerged far from the unseeing eyes of the bourgeois media, far from the flash and glitter of TV cameras. They are the signs of a transformation coming into the lives of the rural poor as they participate in the great struggle for revolution. But this revolutionary women's movement has not emerged overnight, nor has it emerged spontaneously merely from propaganda. The women's movement has grown alongside the growth of armed struggle. Contrary to general opinion, the launching of armed struggle in the early 1980s by the communist revolutionary forces in various parts of the country, the militant struggle against feudal oppression gave the confidence to peasant women to participate in struggles in large numbers and then to stand up and fight for their rights. Women who constitute the most oppressed among the oppressed, poor peasant and landless peasant women who have lacked not only an identity and a voice, but also a name, have become activists for the women's organizations in their villages and guerrilla fighters. Thus, with the spread and growth of the armed struggle, the women's mobilization and their organization have also grown, leading to the emergence of this revolutionary women's movement, one of the strongest and most powerful in the country today. Yet it is unrecognized and ignored, a ploy of the ruling classes that will try to suppress any news and acknowledgement as long as it can. Background The vast majority of women live in villages weighed down by the feudal oppression that takes place in many forms. Intense economic exploitation, crude and brutal social oppression, 
a culture that not only denies them independence, but also denigrates them in all possible manners. Hence, women from the oppressed classes have a stake in the destruction of the feudal rural order, and have come forward to do so. In the anti-feudal peasant struggles in the past century, women have played a very militant and active role. In the Tebhaga struggle in the 1940s, the participation of women was very high, and Nadi Bahinis were formed for self-defense, to counter state repression. In the Telangana peasant uprising from 1947 to 1951, two, women participated in large numbers, and peasant and tribal women became guerrilla squad members. There are many accounts of the bravery and tenacity displayed by these women in the face of encirclement by the Indian army, in the face of torture and sure death. Thus, when the Naxalbari uprising took place in 1967 in North Bengal, under the leadership of Charu Majumdar, it is not surprising that the poor peasant women and girls participated with full enthusiasm. In the Srikakulam struggle, the participation of women was remarkable. Women became commanders of the armed squads and struck terror in the hearts of the moneylenders and landlords in the area. The armed struggle, in fact, began after an attack by the gundas of a landlord when the women were on their way to participate in a peasant conference. The names of the women martyred in the struggle, women who preferred to be felled by the bullets of the armed police rather than surrender, still shine bright. Nirmala, Ankamma, and Saraswati. Thus, these women defied their families and society to take on roles which directly challenged their traditionally acceptable identities in society. They displayed tremendous heroism and determination to make the anti-feudal struggle a success. But the revolutionary movement at this time did not take up the conscious task of building women's organizations and taking up the struggle against manifestations of patriarchy. In the face of severe repression, these movements were suppressed. When communist revolutionaries regrouped themselves and began building up the anti-feudal peasant struggles in the late 1970s, there was a resurgence of the participation of women in the struggles. In the plains of central Bihar and in the fields and villages of Telangana, AP, the peasant movement grew like a storm. Among the first issues that the movement confronted were the feudal privileges of the landlords over the wives and daughters of the laborers working in the fields, especially of the Dalit castes. Subject to the worst form of abuses and vulgarities by the landlord's men, broken by starvation and poverty, these poor women were easy prey for the landlords and their henchmen. Many of the violent struggles in Bihar and Telangana, in the first part of the peasant movement in the 1970s and 1980s, were to end this abuse and molestation being carried out in the name of tradition. These struggles provided the background for the growth of the women's movement. In this article, we are restricting our report to the movement in Andhra Pradesh and Danda Karanya. The Development of the Rural Movement in Andhra Pradesh The Telangana region of Andhra Pradesh remained a bastion of feudal exploitation and many forms of patriarchal oppression related to it until the early 1980s, when the anti-feudal struggles hit them hard and decisively. The landlord's sexual rights over the wives of his laborers is only one of them. Also, under Vetti, both the male and the female laborers were expected to provide free services to the landlord and his family. The service castes, too, were forced to provide free labor. 
child marriage was widely prevalent. So were religious practices like the Jogini or Basavi. A local variant of the Devadasi cult, young girls from the lower castes were married to the gods, and a girl so married could not marry any man. In effect, she was forced into prostitution. When the anti-feudal struggles broke out in Karimnagar, in the Dilabad districts of Telangana in 1977, one important form of struggle was the social boycott of landlords. The laborers refused to go and work in their houses and fields. The success of the social boycott was made possible because of the active participation of women, too. Veti came to an end in many districts of Telangana only because of these struggles. The active struggle of women also helped the formation of the Ryotu Kuli Sangam, RCS, a peasant organization. They also became members of the peasant organization. As the struggle developed, many incidents challenging the rights of the landlords and social and cultural aspects of their lives came up. After the struggle broke out, the first RCS organizer to be murdered by the goons of the landlord was Laksmirajam. He was murdered because the woman in his village decided to celebrate the Batkama festival in their own locality rather than in the Gaddi courtyard of the landlord's house, as had been the tradition. Among the other major issues taken up by the revolutionary peasant movement has been the issue of wages. Although, initially, the question of equal pay for equal work was not taken up, the struggle for an increase in the pitiably low wages was fought bitterly. The movement led to an increase in the wages for all kinds of agricultural labor, although the rates for men and women remained different, women getting less than men. The peasant struggle developed in the midst of intensive propaganda about the new democratic revolution to end feudal and imperialist exploitation. Among the first women's organizations to be formed was that by the CPIML, CP Ready Group, in Telangana under the banner of the Progressive Organization of Women, PAL. Towards the end of the 1970s, units of the PAL were formed in villages in Karimnagar district and conferences were also organized. Later, as the work of organizing the women who rolled bidis, leaf cigarettes, began, they too got organized into the PAL, apart from being organized in the unions which were also formed. Thus, the demands of women, especially peasant women, began to be articulated. Women in the Telangana region and in the eastern region of AP were also active in the land struggles undertaken by the CPI-MLPW. By the early 1980s itself, women of the poor peasant and landless classes were clashing with the landlords and police over lands occupied by them. Tribal women had started displaying their militancy. In April 1980, when the police suddenly banned the tribal peasant conference in Indervali in Adilabad district, and started driving away the people who had gathered in the market, it was a tribal woman who pulled a bow against a policeman and hit him with her arrow. Gradually, village-level organizations of women began to emerge, and they became widespread from the late 1980s. These women's groups also became targets of police repression and found it difficult to function. Viplava Mahila Sangam In areas where the revolutionary movement was strong, women took up the struggle in their localities. This became a major agitation in the beginning of the 1990s, encompassing a variety of women's organizations. 
Thus, the village-level women's organizations formed in the various districts, as the peasant struggle developed, coalesced into the Viplava Mahila Sangam around 1995. In North Telangana, they were initially called MVS. This underground women's organization is the culmination of the many efforts and experiments to build the women's movement in rural Andhra Pradesh in the face of state repression. As the peasant struggle expanded from north to south Telangana, from Guntur to Rail Sima districts, so has the mobilization of women. Born and steeled within the revolutionary struggle for a new democratic society, of which the principal slogan is land to the tiller, the land struggles have and still occupy an important part in the mobilization of women. For example, in December 1997, the Peasant Association Ryotukulisangam, RCS, in Ainul village, Mehbubnagar district, decided to occupy 200 acres of land, controlled by Ramachandra Reddy and two other landlords. Of the 300 people who took part in the campaign, 100 were women. In Shalkarpeta village in the same district, the VMS supported the call of the RCS to take over 100 acres out of 200 acres belonging to a landlord. The VMS campaigned among women to prepare them to participate in the struggle. Finally, in June 1999, when a public meeting was held, over 100 women participated. They took part in the rally and planted the red flags that they had held over the land which they occupied. Similarly, in 1998, in Kovunor village in Kudapa district, a land struggle committee was formed to regain control of 120 acres of land illegally occupied by a landlord. The lands belonged to the SC society and village community. It is a decision of the RCS and the VMS that when lands are taken over and distributed, women should also be given titles to the lands independently, and this is being implemented wherever the revolutionary movement is able to give titles to the land. Wage struggles occupy another important activity for the women's movement. A campaign for equal wages for agricultural work has been taken up. In Tandra village, Mehbubnagar district, the VMS campaigned among women laborers for days to make them realize the need for and the importance of struggle. Finally, when the RCS and the VMS together gave a strike call for higher wages, it was a success. They beat the drum and began the strike. Two days later, the landlord and rich peasants came before the laborers and negotiated in public to decide on the increase in rates. Inspired by the example of Tundra, women in the surrounding villages also took up similar struggles, even though, in all of them, no VMS units existed. The initiative of women workers, too, has increased with the growth of the women's organization. In June 1998, in Palikonda village of Nizamabad district, women BD workers faced unemployment because the owners decided to remove their local agents and thus stop local production. 300 women went to the Bhimgal Mandal Center and sat on a dharna before the BD company office. The local agents were reappointed and production resumed. An account of the issues taken up by the VMS in various areas will give an idea of the variety of issues being addressed by the women's organization in AP. In a Champat area, Bakashram village, when the husband of a woman called Autama died, her brothers refused to give her any share of the land. The VMS organized a panchayat and made the brother give her a five-acre plot of land. 
in Warangal district of Medak district, 70 women organized a rally to protest against the rape of a Dalit woman by a landlord's son. They thus exposed the incident. In Dubakka village, one man, Venkantagaud, had promised to marry Balama, but then deserted her and subsequently she committed suicide. The woman took out a rally demanding that he be held responsible for her death. The rally was Lati charged by the police. In another interesting case, in Erpidu Mandal village, Sinanuru, a village head attacked and chased away a family. In the process, the eight-year-old daughter of the attacked family got lost. She was found by one Ramaswamy, who made her a bonded laborer in his house. When the VMS got wind of this, they mobilized the local villagers and rescued the girl. They insisted that he pay for the months that she had worked for him. He was made to pay 12,000 rupees to the girl for her labor. VMS units in several areas have been instrumental in organizing small symposiums on issues like dowry to educate people against it. They have also organized processions to spread awareness about dowry killings. Besides this, VMS units have been active in mobilizing women for agitations against drought and for facilities like roads and electricity. Especially in the summer of 1998, faced with a severe drought, women were in the forefront of the agitations for water and relief. They also led the exposure of Chandrababu Naidu's Chanmabumi reform program. Hundreds of women demonstrating in Ragonda Mandal town shouted, quote, We want water, not liquor. End quote. They have staged Rasarokos and Tarnas, held meetings and processions. They have stood up in many instances against police atrocities. They have stopped police from arresting mass organization activists and peasant leaders from their villages. In Tunda village of Warangal district, for example, one day in January 1998, the police came to arrest one Mahendra Reddy on the suspicion of his being involved with the revolutionary movement. They caught him and started beating him on the way itself. About 500 men and women surrounded the police carrying sticks, broomsticks, and stones. The police unloaded their rifles and threatened to attack the villagers. Undeterred, the woman went forward and started attacking the police with whatever they had in their hands. They even tried to snatch their rifles. The shocked police ran away, leaving Mahendra Reddy behind. Twenty special batch police came back another day, but were again confronted and chased away. Similarly, in Gurajalamandal, fifty women stopped a police bus taking away the Sangam leader and forced the police to release him. In Durgi Mandal, Naramalapadu village, twice the police arrested RCS leaders, and on both instances, under the leadership of the VMS, women staged Rasarokos and got them released. Such examples can be multiplied by the hundreds all over the state. Women themselves have faced repression for leading the struggles. They have been beaten up by the landlord's men, they have faced harassment, threats, beatings, and arrests by the police. But through all of this, the women, under the influence of revolutionary politics, are forming their own organizations and fighting for the right to equality and freedom from oppression. From them, the struggle for a new democratic revolution and the struggle against patriarchy are integrally linked. Hence, their feelings and dedication for the revolutionary movement. 
This came out most sharply in a major confrontation that developed with the police in Manala village of Nizamabad district over the martyrs' column. In September 1997, 1,800 men and women of Manala and neighboring villages labored for 18 days to build a 45-feet-high column in the memory of revolutionary women martyrs. Thousands attended the inauguration of the memorial column. Hence, in June 1998, when the police came and tried to force the women and men of Manala to break the memorial, they faced stiff resistance. When the police realized that the villagers were willing to face death, but would not allow the column to be broken, they were forced to retreat. Although they tried to harass the Manila woman in other ways, they did not succeed. Impact of Revolutionary Politics on Gond Women The impact of the revolutionary movement on tribal society, both in Dandakaranya and also in the eastern Khants, Vishakapatnam, Sarikakulam, Vijayanagaram districts, has been even deeper. The majority of tribals in the districts of Garchiroli and Gondia and Maharashtra in the Bustar division of Chhattisgarh, in Balakat and Madhya Pradesh, and in Malakangiri of Orissa, belong to sub-tribes of the Gonds, Madhya, Maurya, Pardhan, Dorla, or Rajgand, although other tribes like the Raut and Halbi also inhabit these forests. Although there are particularities in the customs, their society is patriarchal. The women play an important part in production. They labor hard and long in the fields and at home. Yet, traditionally, they have no rights to the land. They do not have any social rights either. Their participation in the actual rituals is prohibited by custom. Their role in community decision-making and arbitrations is also marginal. In many ways, through customs and beliefs, small and big, their subordination is reinforced. Thus, for example, although women may plow the land and even cut the harvest, they may not thresh the grain, so much so that they should not even step on the threshing floor when it is underway. Girls are not allowed to enter the main grain store of the family. During menstruation, they must stay outside the village and not be seen, especially by a priest. The family has the right to decide the marriage of a girl and boy. If a girl disagrees with their decision, then she is forced to go to the house of her in-laws. In case of resistance, it is common to beat her inhumanely, tie her to a pole, and carry her off, like an animal's carcass being carried off after a hunt. In some areas, boys would kidnap a girl, who one of them liked, and then force her to marry him. Polygamy is common, a woman's labor being prized. Although their society does not prohibit premarital sex, and in some parts it is acceptable within certain institutional arrangements like the kotul, promiscuity is neither a practice nor is it acceptable. A girl who becomes pregnant before marriage is looked down upon. In some areas, like Gachiroli, the custom of giving up wearing the blouse once a girl is married was strictly enforced among the Madias. But it is not uncommon in other parts, too, for women to give up wearing the blouse once they have a child or two. Better publicized is the oppression that these women have been facing at the hands of outsiders, the contractors, traders, settlers, policemen, and other government employees who come into the forest, into the tribal villages, and take advantage of the simplicity and innocence of these girls to sexually exploit them, 
and then abandon them. For them, the tribal ways amount to promiscuity, which gives them the license to treat them as prostitutes. As the squads of the People's War entered the Dundakaranya forest from 1980 onwards, they confronted these patriarchal customs and practices. As they won the trust of the people and started struggles for rights over the forest and for raising the rates of tendu leaf picking in the hot summer months, they gained the trust and confidence of women too. Since women are at the forefront of picking tendu leaves, they came into the struggle too in large numbers. They actively participated in the strikes when the contractors and the government were intransigent about their demands. Women participate in many kinds of labor in the forest. They go for bamboo cutting in the paper mills. They work in the forest department nurseries and road building and other such work. In all these areas of work, struggles broke out to improve the wage rates and the conditions of work, and women were very active in all of these. Young girls came forward to campaign in villages to put up posters propagating the issues and demands. Women with babes in arms walked for days to attend meetings and conferences. There were many instances where outsiders, exploiting tribal girls or molesting them, were brought by the squads before the people, forced to apologize, and either leave the area or reform their behavior. As a result, the incidences of sexual exploitation in the areas of struggle went down a great deal. And when the police repression began to crush the revolutionary forces in their struggles, women learned to face the police and help to keep their movement and the organization alive. From all these experiences, the Krantikari Adivasi Mahila Sankatana, Kams, was born. While the initial units were formed in Gachiroli district, they gradually spread to all the parts of the district, and also to the neighboring districts. Since 1995, the Kams has spread by leaps and bounds in the Buster Dantawada district, some parts of Buster district, and Kankar district, Gondia, Rajnangaon, and Balakat. It later spread to Malkangiri district, and here too, the organization has grown rapidly. The first district conference of the Kams was held in Gachiroli in 1991, but the Maharashtra government launched its repression campaign a few months later, and all the Kams district committee members were forced to leave their homes and operate from the forests, or become full-time organizers functioning underground. The Kams took as its task to propagate against tribal customs which are oppressive for women. They struck a chord among young women and gained their active support, and units began to be set up in village after village. But due to the repression, the units found it difficult to function openly. For the police, merely being a member of the comps is a crime. In the charge sheet of a middle-aged woman, arrested from Gondia district, it was alleged that she is the president of the village comms unit. Thus, from 1993 onwards, Kams has grown in the midst of severe repression. Units have been set up in the Abujmad hills, in the areas around Kondagaon and Keskal, in the hills of Biramkad, and the plains of Avapalli, Indravati, and Pamed National Parks, up to the banks of the Shibari River. Today, there are more than 500 villages with units of the Kams, the membership varying from 5 to 20 in each village. In areas where there are more units, Range committees have been formed which oversee 25 to 40 villages. Since 1997, range-level conferences of the comms have been held in several areas and the range committees elected. 
issues, and struggles. The comms has actively propagated against the more oppressive customs that are resented by the woman and helped women and girls who have put up resistance. For example, due to the active campaign against forced marriages, one now rarely finds a case of physical force being used to pressure a girl to marry against her wishes. If a girl brings such a case before the village unit of the comms or the peasant organization, the comms members and or the squad talk to the family to convince them to desist from forcing their will on the girl. In fact, there are many cases in which girls have left their families and become gorillas in the PGA to avoid a marriage they are not interested in. Women perceive the revolutionary party as their own because they see it as a force which is helping them to become aware of their oppression and fight it. They come to the squads with their problems and expect help. Girls from the Kondagaon area approached the party to end the Gotul system because they felt oppressed that they were forced to go and dance in the Gotul every night, even if they were not interested. The comms in the area took up a campaign to stop compulsory dancing. Meetings and rallies on this issue were organized. In many villages, the Gotuls were shut down, or, at least, were no longer a compulsory activity for unmarried women. But taking advantage of the increased repression by the police, when it is not easy to function both for the party and the mass organization, the elders of the clan and community again forced the Kotul activity to be restarted. In Gachiroli, there was a strong resistance from the clan elders to the campaign for wearing the blouse after marriage, and it has taken some years to wear down their resistance, so that now the practice is no longer widespread as before. Initially, it could be enforced only in the families of those active in the peasant organizations. For the past four to five years, the comms has been regularly organizing eight March programs around specific themes. While sometimes big programs gathering women from many villages have been held, in some areas, smaller meetings of women of five to ten villages have been organized in every range. Women's squad members have presented skits in these meetings and sung songs. An 8-March meeting organized in the Indravati National Park area in 1999 was busted by the Special Armed Police, when a report of the meeting somehow leaked to them. Almost 100 people, half of whom were women, had gathered for the meeting in the forest. A pamphlet had been brought out for the occasion. The people had to return very disappointed because the meeting could not be held. The comms has also organized on issues of all India significance, like the four to five hundred strong rally taken out by woman in Narayanpur to protest against the Miss World contest in Bangalore in 1997. Comms has also actively participated in the anti-famine marches, in election boycott campaigns, and development activity in the villages undertaken by the village itself. Representatives of the comms also sit in the Revolutionary People's Committees whenever they are formed. People's courts have been conducted in cases like those of wife-beating, remarriage by men while abandoning their first wife, etc. In one particular instance, the local comms brought forward the case of a girl made pregnant by one boy. The comms unit ferreted out the identity of the boy. He was forced to part with some land and cattle for the girl and her forthcoming child. As a result of the woman's organization and campaigns, women's political and social consciousness has developed. They are actively supporting the armed struggle and the people's guerrillas. Every year, 
they gather in large numbers before the martyrs' column in their village to pay homage to the revolutionaries who have died fighting to make the new democratic revolution a success. They take tremendous risks to help the guerrillas during police encirclement. When the police arrested some men from Bellum Nendra village, the woman followed the police and the men all the way to the police station, over five kilometers away, and did not budge because they refused to release the men. The police arrested these women too and sent them off to jail, more than 150 kilometers away. Yet, women are participating in large numbers in political rallies and meetings. Young girls, often defying their parents, join the People's Guerrilla Army in large numbers, and their numbers have gone up remarkably in the past five years. Today, almost 40% of the fighters in the PGA and the Nicaragua are women fighters. Women who have been housewives, too, have left their children with relatives and joined their guerrilla husbands to serve the poor. Adivasi Viplava Mahila Sangam Up in the mountains of East Godavari and Vishakapatnam districts of Andhra Pradesh, an overwhelming majority of the people are tribal, but they belong to the Kondalu, Gadaba, Kondaredi, Pagata, and other related tribes. The hard life in the hills makes the woman's labor even more arduous and tedious. Even fetching water entails climbing and descending with pots over long distances. Patriarchal traditions make her socially dependent and politically powerless. Added to this is the exploitation of the people from the plains who have come into the hills and started plantations. Closer to the plains, like Malakangiri district, Orissa, women are facing newer forms of exploitation. Settlers are marrying tribal women to gain access to tribal lands. The woman loses her place in the tribal community, only to be used and abandoned by the avaricious husband. Women were in the forefront of the Tendu Leaf struggle, which began in the area from 1983 onwards. They negotiated with contractors before the entire village. When a contractor refused to negotiate with a Sanyasama, she told him, quote, Give me the keys to your jeep. I will drive it while you carry this one sack of tendu leaves and show me. Women have participated in struggles to occupy the excess land of landlords. Through protracted struggles, they have emerged as mass leaders. While, from 1985 itself, women's organizations began to be formed in villages, they got area and district level character only in 1989 when the Krantikari Adivasi Viplava Mahila Sangam came to be formed. In 1995, the name was changed to Adivasi Viplava Mahila Sangam. In the beginning of the 1990s, one of the major struggles undertaken by the AVMS was on the anti-liquor issue. Apart from this, the organization has undertaken campaigns, organized meetings, rallies, and people's courts on many issues. For example, in 1996, a dowry death case in Ramavaram became an issue in which hundreds of women were mobilized and they demonstrated to teach the killer husband a lesson. In March 2000, a campaign against polygamy was taken up in the Koyur Mandal. People's courts have been conducted on many cases of polygamy and forced marriages. Justice has also been meted out to those men who have sexually exploited women and then abandoned them. In big meetings in which neighboring villagers are mobilized, the men have been forced to marry the woman and give them a share of their property. Since 1988, in bamboo cutting and other related work, the struggle for equal pay for equal work has been taken up and won. 
Thus, a tremendous change is coming about in the region because of the awakening among women and the growing organization among them. Since 1997, 8 March is being celebrated all over, even in the remote villages. In March 2000, hundreds of meetings were held in all parts of these districts, and women have come to look forward to this, their day, the day to talk and plan to struggle for their rights. Women have been traveling to cities far from their region, like Vishakapatnam and Guntur, to participate in state-level programs. By 1998, there were 200 units of the AVMS with 6,700 members. Today, however, the organization is functioning in the face of severe repression, and many units are destroyed in the raids and arrest campaigns launched at regular intervals by the armed police. Thus, the revolutionary women's movement is growing in the midst of struggle. It is growing in Bihar, Tarkand, and West Bengal as well. As women are getting mobilized and organized in larger and larger numbers, a section of them is also moving forward to join the armed struggle as fighters. They are willing to brave the hardships of guerrilla life with its constant movement and constant alertness, take on tasks and duties equal to men with the aim of changing this exploitative society for there is no other way to get out of this existing system, however long and arduous the path may be. The movement is creating a new woman, bold and brave, who is willing to sacrifice her life for the social cause. The names of the women who have sacrificed thus loom high in the sky. There was Rataka, Nirmala, the housewife from AP, who died at the sentry post while defending her comrades, Emeshwari, Kamala, the Oraon educated girl from Jagdalpur, who died at her post during a raid on a police station, Young Rajay, who died of a snake bite, Swarupa, who died giving a heroic fight in an encounter. The list can go on, but they are fighting so that women can be unshackled and attain equality, so that the poor can get justice and India can become a truly independent country, free from imperialist exploitation.